college football is weird, man. Yep, weirdest sport out there. That's why it's it, the best. It's it is truly egregious. Some of the performances we saw this weekend from teams that we thought were good, that we thought maybe had a chance of making the college football playoff, and it was so funny to me is all the people melting down last Tuesday after the college football selection committee comes out and they have Cincinnati ranked six and Alabama's number two and Mississippi state's number three behind one loss, Alabama, everybody freaking out, just coming out with all of these adjectives to describe the college football selection committee, Gary Barta. I mean, people are ready to run him out of town on a rail. It's just, it's so fascinating. Alabama was supposed to just absolutely obliterate LSU. LSU had a chance to win that game late. Three times. If LSU had a competent quarterback, and listen, Max Johnson, sorry, brother, but that, you were bad. Yeah. Like bad, bad on Saturday. But that's what's the amazing thing is, Cam, LSU had a bad quarterback on Saturday, and they only lost to Alabama, Alabama by six points. Bryce Young threw for 300 yards, but they were only able to put up 20 points in this game. Just such a weird season. Uh, Auburn going into Texas A&M. Just when you think you have good Bo, bad yeah. Bo shows up. Yeah, it and was it was bad. it was bad Bo. I was disappointed. I, I was. I finally picked Auburn and they didn't show up. But I mean, I I got into some argument with friends this week. Every team, in my opinion, in the top ten, just played horrible this week. Outside of Georgia, not Ohio. just in the top ten. How about the Florida Gators? Yeah, <laughs> that that yeah. was that was yeah. that was the most surprising result of the weekend. If you were surprised that Purdue beat Michigan State, you just weren't paying attention. Oh yeah, I mean that. I wasn't sec- shocked by that, that. That's the second time that's happened this season. Yeah. I was. If Purdue's one of those teams where, and this is, there's a lot of programs we can talk about this because they've they've done this a few times now. They have so many wins over top five teams when they're unranked. <laughs> oh, State. Re- yeah, like a couple years ago. Yeah. And Purdue's one of those teams when you look at them, they mess up. Mm-hmm. Right. They can do really cool things when you're not paying attention, but when you look at them, they mess up. You know when you're supposed to pay attention to Purdue is when you get on Twitter and that like one team reporter is like, hey, y'all should probably flip the Purdue game on. And you're like, oh, crap, let me flip mm-hmm. over and see what's happening. And the, oh, my God, they're about to beat the number three team in the country. So what, this year they beat the number two team in the country and the number three team in the country. They have a chance to beat who's probably the number three team in the country again. Yeah, they like play Ohio does, State. does anyone have a more impressive resume right now than Purdue? No. Absolutely, and they have a chance to make it to the but, Big no, Ten but Championship. No, but here's the thing is they're not going to end up beating no. Ohio State because we're paying attention to them again. Yep. We're going to be like a whole week leading up to it. We're going to be like, oh, they've done it twice. Are they going to do it a third? No, absolutely not. It would be Ohio cool. Ohio State's probably going to win that game by 30. It would be. I'm not. That's why I was. T- I, that's why I was. I'm not a fan of anybody right now outside of Georgia. I've disappointed Alabama, but, disappointed but here, Ohio okay, State. Well, we'll get to Georgia here in a second. Because I'm not quite as sold on Georgia as everyone else. Oh, same. I want to stick with Florida and South Carolina because I want to talk about Florida for a second. You lost to South Carolina 40 to 17. You were down. And here's the crazy thing about South Carolina. Let me pull their schedule real quick. They're a win away, and they'll have to be, and they're at Missouri, which Missouri is not a good team. They're at Missouri, home against Auburn, and home against Clemson. They're a win away from making a bowl game. Yep. They're a couple wins away from going to a not-too-terrible bowl game. Shane Beamer's done a really good job with that team, and they won that game on Saturday against the Florida Gators with, like, their fourth quarterback. 
In Florida, is what now four and five on the season? Yes, Ben Mullen's on the and hot two seat. and eight in the last ten games against Power Five teams. One of those is against Vanderbilt. Like one of the wins is against Vanderbilt. So outside of Vanderbilt, you're one and eight against your last nine Power Five teams. Dan is on the hot seat, man. Well, no, he did the thing that I've been telling everybody was going to happen before Ooh. the season even started. As soon as Florida started going down the drain a little bit, you fire Todd Grantham. Okay. Now, did I expect them to fire their offensive line coach? No, especially the fact that Florida is the number three rushing team in the country. Mm-hmm. I don't think the offensive line was the problem. I think your quarterbacks aren't good. Anthony Richardson probably will be. He, he's a freaky athlete, but he's not good right now. He's did you hear? Good. And this came out just a little while ago. Dan Mullen said he wasn't available because he hurt his knee dancing in the team hotel on Friday. MRIs were clear, but he wasn't available because he was dancing in the team hotel. You know what that means? Players are not. I, I get what I take from that is players are just not locked in. No, I think the team's given up. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, players if I'm looking at it, I think we got a comment uh, on the live stream there if you want to read that off. But just looking at this game, you lost to a guy named Jason Brown. Who? What do we got? We're trash. Oh, Ben Anderson's back. Shaking my head with the DC fired. He's good. Uh, I mean, no, Ben. Here's the thing. Dan Mullen's next. Whether it's this year or do you do you sit through that awkward relationship next year? I mean, I, I think Dan Mullen's done, and everyone's yeah. always like, and I I am not. Cam, you actually knows about me. I am not the fire your coach person. Yeah, I think, you are. I think yeah, yeah. I think typically yeah. you should stick with a coach through the rough times. But when the coach brings the rough times on himself that's when I think maybe it's time to move on from that person. Here's, and I guess we're going on a Florida track right now. Here's where I think Florida's in a precarious situation, though, is if Florida does fire Dan Mullen after the season, look who you're recruiting against all of a sudden, USC, LSU, and a bunch of other programs. And then once those jobs start getting filled, Mm -hmm. say Elaine Kiffin, right, takes one of those jobs, then all of a sudden Ole Miss is looking for a head coach, right? So, like, uh, you're going to be – recruiting against a lot of other really good programs for a head coach, do you fire a Dan Mullen? Are you like, listen, is is this the best we can do? I I think this is a really bad look for Florida right now. It it hasn't been good. Then you got to convince that coach who's coming in, hey, you know, you just got to play Georgia who's just – yeah, and, and, trying to create a powerhouse. Well, I, I, I play them. It every is year. tough. Like, we've, we've said that about coaches taking jobs in the SEC West. Mm-hmm. Why a lot of them are like, eh, probably not. Is you, you got to decide, am I willing to live under that pressure? Yeah, it's a lot of pressure. Because deservedly show, Florida's been one of the most successful programs in college football over the last 30 years. But also, they've had two of the greatest coaches ever. Right? Think about yeah. Florida's two stretch runs. You had Steve Spurrier as your head Urban coach. Meyer. And then you had Urban Meyer, who turned Utah into something. And was it Ball State before that? He turned Ball State into something, right? And then yeah. he won those national championships with Florida. So that's who you're going to be compared against, regardless of what you do, right? Jim mm-hmm. McElwain, Will Muschamp, and now it looks like Dan Mullen weren't able to do it. You're living under that intense pressure all the time. It, I don't it, know who they're going to get. It's it's going to be a tough look. We should do that in a future show, just take a look at the coaching candidates that I are have... out there because I think there's some guys out there that are going to make some good coaches. But like if you're Florida – because it worked out for Georgia, do you go after a coordinator and his first head coaching job is the University of Florida? I have one. O'Brien at Alabama. I don't think so, man. But he hasn't no, looked yet. I don't, he hasn't I don't, looked too I don't great. Think so. I'm dude, thinking off of like just straight history. No, nah, here's what I say about Bill O'Brien. He's NFL as hell. 
Like he, yeah, yeah, he, the way he calls his offenses and the way he operates is so NFL. We saw it on Saturday. It just it it didn't work against LSU. The way his offenses operate, you took what is I would say the most talent rich mm-hmm. offense outside of maybe Ohio State, but I take Alabama because I take Bryce Young over CJ Shroud. You yeah. have the most talent rich offense and you put up 20 points at home against LSU. Like the I play calling is just it's eh for Alabama right now. I don't I, I don't think Bill O'Brien is a major candidate to be a head coach at any of these places. I I, I don't know like is this I think Paul Feinbaum was talking about this. Has Nick Saban maybe for the first time in his tenure at Alabama gotten the coordinator hires wrong? Like a lot of Alabama fans are tired of Pete Golding, their defensive coordinator. I wouldn't say he got it wrong because they are still number two in the country in the driver's seat to make the college football playoffs. We can answer that at the end of the season. But think about what those offenses has been have been over the past five, six years with Steve Sarkeesian twice and uh Lane Kiffin. That's true. I mean, they never skipped a beat, but this is a team that missed what? They lost ninety percent of the offense. And they're still kind of yeah, – they're doing still well. I mean, Bryce Young, 20-something touchdowns and, like, three picks. Let me ask you this. Who's the best quarterback in college football? I would have to go Bryce Young. I think he is too. Yeah, I, I would say that. I, I would love to say Matt Corral, but he's not wowing me like no, I he's thought been, he he's would. No, he's been very average the last few weeks. I say average, but, like, compared yeah, to what above, some above of the other average. college quarterbacks yeah. are doing, I think Armstrong at Virginia is really good. He's, if and, you haven't been paying attention, it. he might just be a stat monster. Mm-hmm. But he's been really good. Kenny Pickett's been really solid as well. Is, is Stetson been in a top five quarterback in the country right now? <laughs> nah, I would say he's on the cusp, though. He is. is. Top 10? Top 10, yeah. Uh, is he a top 10 draft pick? No, but if we're talking Bill, about just straight Bill, college. Bill, Con- know, yeah. Bill Conley pointed this out. If you took his QBR and compared it to the 2020 season, he'd only be behind one quarterback. Mac Jones. Mac Jones, who set the QBR record. record. Yeah. I think BJ was talking about it. Setson Bennett, I believe, is on pace right now to be third all-time in QBR. And that's that's really cool for Stetson Bennett to do that. He was essentially last year kind of your fourth string, if you want to be technical. Mm-hmm. And now he's your first string, and you can win a national championship with him. Um, you well, know, possibly. That's, that's the question right possibly. now because Bill Conley put this out there. It's a great article on ESPN Plus just kind of talking about the chaos of college football right now. And Stetson Bennett was his number one in terms of just having an effect on college football and the potential chaos that could cause is if Stetson's really good, Georgia's not losing. Right? Yeah. But if Stetson Bennett, we get second half against Alabama Stetson Bennett or we get 2020 Florida Stetson Bennett, then all of a sudden you could be in for some chaos. Stetson Bennett this year – has only thrown 50 passes when Georgia wasn't up 14. And that's it's, like all it's of alarming. his all like a vast majority of his passes have come when Georgia's up two scores and you can get a little loose with it. I mean, until there was like 40 seconds left in the first quarter, you hadn't scored against Missouri. And Missouri's a really and bad then the team. The touchdown you scored was on fourth and long. Mm-hmm. And you're just kind of in no man's land field goal range or go for it. Yeah. Missouri was 130th against the run coming into that game. And we could not run the and ball worth you, you, nothing. You, you ended up with 180 yards on the ground, but a lot of that came in the second half in garbage yeah. time. You were just able to hit some shots. And we're going to talk to Graham Coffey, dog post, dog, and he's on Twitter at Dogs Out West. He does a really good job covering Georgia. We're going to talk to him coming up in the next segment. But I'm looking at this Georgia offense, and the run game is, is pretty okay. And now that you're getting some of these receivers back, like you see Jermaine Burton full speed, 
He looked, he, he looked, he looked really decent. good. Like yeah, he, he looked like himself good. last year. Yeah, he Car- having Kiaris Jackson back has been a big deal. Lad McConkey has just slid right in, and he's a great slot receiver right now. Ad Mitchell's kind of your true outside X receiver, right? So you're getting a lot of your weapons back. Darnell Washington's happy. Brock Bowers is healthy. So like it's you're getting a lot of your weapons back. And two or three times on Saturday, the the throw on fourth down to Arian Smith, we didn't mm-hmm. even mention him, was a dime. Like oh. that was that was you literally could not have thrown that football better. But a couple of other touchdowns, specifically the one, well, I guess it wasn't a touchdown because Jermaine Burton got tackled at the one twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the long one down the left sideline, that was an underthrow and probably mm-hmm. would have been picked off by a better corner. But Jermaine Burton was able to stop, go up and get it, and help his quarterback out. So I I do think some question marks remain around Stetson Bennett. Am I saying that J T. Daniels is the better option? Probably not right now. And I, I think they're going to rock with JT or with Stetson Bennett until the wheels come off. I think Saturday proved that because I think a lot of the narratives got killed that they were just sticking with Stetson Bennett because the team had been successful, like the continuity argument. I think they got killed on Saturday because JT Daniels looked really rusty. Yeah, he looked rusty. And I, I will put it like this. Uh, we had a discussion earlier in the year. We was talking about how the running back group was going to be the big part of this, you know, team. Yeah. It's really actually the wide receiver group now. They've been the really ends, good. They're the best part of this team. I think the running back group needs to catch back up to speed because, I mean, they're, they're hit and miss. One game they're hot. One game, you know, they're cold. This game I wasn't really impressed at all. You know, yeah. we've seen Zamir White struggle a little bit. James Cook, he had one big, big run, but for the most part they all kind of struggled, and I'm just like, well, just, Come on, I, guys, we got to get it together. I don't know if they're struggling. I think more so than anything is a running back by committee approach, right? So Amir yeah. White has been like the one guy who you could say is the top dog in that running back room. But beyond that, it's just it's running back by committee. Let's just go with the guy who's fresh, and we slide him in and let him do their thing. I, I do find it interesting because you talk to a lot of coaches. They say we have to find ways to get certain guys the ball. But, I mean, if you look at it, you have Zamir White has 106 carries. He's averaging 4.9 yards a carry. James Cook has 66 carries, and he's averaging 5.8 yards a carry. I look at the yards per carry more so than anything, yep. and the only two backs that are under four yards a carry are Kenny McIntosh and Dejon Edwards, and Kenny McIntosh is at 3.8, Dejon Edwards at 3.6. So, I mean, I think I think you, you're getting enough from your running backs right now. They're just not that lead group that maybe you thought they were going to be. we got to yeah. take a quick break. We'll talk some more Georgia football next. Graham Coffey from Dog Post will join us right here on ESPN. It's presented to you by the Uniform Source, two different locations in Savannah to take care of all of your uniform needs. Continuing our conversation from the last segment, Georgia 9-0, and and some residual questions remain about this team. I don't think you have any questions on the defensive side, but offensively, I think a lot of Georgia fans still have some questions that we want to see answered. Joining us to break all of that down, you can find his stuff on Dog Sports, or you can follow him on Twitter at Dog, of course, with a W, out west. Graham Coffey joins us on second down. Graham, thanks for taking the time, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Christian. Uh, just want to talk some Georgia football with you, man, because we're, we're talking in the last segment, and I know Bill Conley put this up in his latest ESPN Plus column. Stetson Bennett has been – Unbelievably efficient. Uh, on pace to set all kinds of records for Georgia specifically, but uh, could, if he, this holds true, be third all-time in quarterback rankings. But for whatever reason, a large portion of this Georgia fan base still feels hesitant about winning with Stetson Bennett under center, winning it all, I should say. Where are you at with this? Uh, man, it's like I, I see the potential. I think the ceiling is higher with a healthy JT Daniels, but... 
I didn't think JT Daniels looked healthy on Saturday. There's definitely some rust. There were some things that, you know, didn't quite look like the JT Daniels we saw against South Carolina in that first quarter against Vanderbilt. Um, I feel like the way this defense is playing right now and the fact that it's the only truly elite unit in all of college football that Georgia probably, you know, has a decent shot of winning every game they would play with it under center. I Again, I think the ceiling is higher with Daniels. But the thing that happened on Saturday that that kind of gave me a little more faith in, in Bennett is just that he was making those explosive plays off of just traditional dropbacks. And kind of up to this point, we have seen him do most of his damage off play action. Over half his dropbacks have been off play action. And I would say about 70% of his yards become off play action. Saturday on regular dropbacks, he's 11 for 14, 225 yards, you know, 15 yards in attempt, no interceptions. I thought the ball down the sideline to Burton was a little bit underthrown. Maybe could have been picked off against a, a better corner in that situation. But the playbook is opening up more and more for Bennett. And I think a lot of us have thought it was maybe more shuttered because of him. But now I'm starting to think it was a little bit shuttered because Georgia was really, really thin at wide receiver and tight end, and these young guys didn't have quite as big a route tree as a guy like uh, Jermaine Burton does. Sure, and try to follow along with my logic, because I know it can can go all over the place. I I feel like this Georgia defense is like 2019 LSU on offense, where you just need the other side of the ball to not lose you the game, right? Just if you're LSU's defense, get enough stops. And if you're Georgia's offense, just score and don't turn the ball over. Just be efficient because I don't see that 2020 Alabama offense or the 2019 LSU offense out there anywhere uh, this 2021 season. Ohio State has been very average in a lot of their games. Oklahoma has been very average. LSU just held Alabama to 20 points. So as crazy as it is to say in the modern era of college football, does Georgia's offense need to be elite to win a national championship? No, no, it doesn't. Um, I mean, I, I really don't think there's an elite offense in college football right now, at least if you're using 2019 LSU or 2020 Bama as that standard. Um, I think they need to be good, not great. Uh, but I, I think they've actually been kind of great at times in certain facets of the game. Uh, I, the inability to run up the middle on a bad Missouri defensive front was a red flag for me. Um, credit to Mockin for calling some outside runs and getting some production on the ground as that game wore on. But, you know, that, that interior of the line, two guards in the center continue to be very inconsistent when you get good play out of them. Uh, this offense looks pretty complete when you don't. It, it looks a little bit more, you know, kind of pieced together and there's some things they can't do that, you know, normally you expect the number one team to be able to just go and run in power for three yards on third and two, you know, um, so I think that I don't see them becoming perfect. I don't see them turning into a juggernaut to speak, but I do think with all this skill talent back that they're going to be really hard to stop because that defense, like you said, is going to hold serve. And if they can put up 24-31 and not turn the ball over in their own end, probably going to win most games. How much is this week's game against Tennessee, who if you say there's not any elite offenses out there, I think Tennessee – has come about as close as you'll get, at least maybe in the SEC. How much is this week going to tell you about how good this defense really is? 
I think this week is going to be fascinating, man. I mean, they went into Kentucky and for garbage time when they kneeled it down three times, they averaged a first down a play on 41 huh. snaps. Um, their, you know, their tempo is very real. It creates challenges. I think that you're going to see Georgia, you know, maybe play them a little bit different, play them to keep things in front of them. But as far as, you know, kind of a prove it game for Georgia, I don't, I don't know that, you know, this defense really has that much left to prove. Um, I would be very surprised if they went out and gave up 31 to Tennessee. I wouldn't be shocked if Tennessee was able to, you know, get over that 13-point mark that we've seen kind of, you know, be the high-water mark for teams against the Georgia defense this year. But I think that we're going to learn a little bit more about Darion Kendrick and Keely Ringo. Those guys have been sure. very good statistically on the boundaries, but they haven't really played anybody since Traylon Burks that could test them down the field um but the question is just will the Tennessee offensive line be able to hold up long enough for them to run some of those deep patterns that they like to do is this the best offense Georgia's played this year yeah I think so yeah I don't think there's any question about that that's gonna be fascinating to watch coming up uh you're speaking on that defense Adam Anderson obviously out watching the game on Saturday how much did you feel like that affected the defense I'm sorry, what was the question? Uh, Adam Anderson, not with the Georgia team right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah how, how much uh, watching the game on Saturday did you feel like that affected the defense? I, I thought it affected them, actually, uh, somewhat. I, I didn't think Missouri was good enough to take advantage of it, but they did lose some pain off of that edge where he normally plays quite a few times. You saw those Mizzou quarterbacks rolling out to that right side. Um, that – is something you don't want to let Hendon Hooker do. You know, against Tennessee, you do not want to force your defensive backs to have to cover for five, six, seven seconds downfield. So, they, you know, they need to be able to set that edge and, and get upfield and, and keep him in the pocket. Graham Coffey joining us here. You can follow his stuff on Twitter with Dog Sports. Graham, just circling back to the quarterback situation, I know that's what everybody's fascinated with right now. You mentioned what Missouri was able to do against Georgia's offense, at least in the first half, right? Kind of stonewall the run game a little bit and force Stetson Bennett to go over the top. And the the first time you score is on a long fourth down late in the first quarter on a bomb uh, to Arian Smith there. It, it was kind of, to me, very similar to what we saw last year against the Mississippi State uh, team where they just put eight, nine guys in the box, played cover zero, and said, listen, if you're going to beat us, it's going to be down the sideline. Obviously, Jermaine Burton had a big day in both of those games, right? Do you feel like right. with Stetson at quarterback, if teams, that's how they approach defending Georgia, do you feel like he can beat people over the top consistently? Well, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because there was a point this year where Georgia, over a course of three games, scored 70 points and in three first quarters, uh, three weeks in a row. That's changed, you know. I mean, that touchdown to Arian Smith with about a minute left in the quarter was the first first quarter touchdown Georgia had scored in four games. So teams are breaking tendencies uh, coming out of the gate, and I think it's throwing off Todd Monken's script a little bit. And right now, you know, the kind of the quicker that script gets done, uh, the better that offense starts playing. I think it's Stephen Bennett, though. I mean, every time – He's been put in that situation. He's beating man coverage down the field. Like, I, I don't think you can question, you know, his accuracy down the field has been very, very good. Um, his quarterback rating right now is higher than anyone from last year except for Mac Jones, who had an absurd 
quarterback season last year, maybe one of the best we've ever seen. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I don't think that there's a group of defensive backs out there. I mean, I, you know, watch Alabama, uh, watch Tennessee go give up, you know, what they gave up to Kentucky. It's like, you know, I, I don't think there's a corner group that is going to shut this defense or this offense down in man coverage. And Stetson Bennett's making teams pay, but I think the MO for Georgia moving forward is probably going to be they're going to have to pass to set up the run instead of the other way around. And it seems like they keep coming out, run first, and then not having success, going to the pass, and then by loosening up the defense down the field, they're able to come back and do some good things in the run game. So I think, you know, all things being equal and that trend continuing, you'd like to see them come out a little bit more pass first in Knoxville and get a quick start and try to get that crowd out of the game. All right, Grant, let me ask you this. You think till the wheels fall off, 13's behind center? What the – I'm sorry, you, you broke up a little bit, Christian. No, you're good. I was going to ask. You think until the wheels fall off, number 13 is behind center? Uh, I, I do. I, well, I guess the fine wheels fall off. Um, I mean, I think they're going to play him until T. Daniels looks really, really back to himself. Uh, the question is, can J.T. Daniels get enough reps to look like himself again? So, wait, so wait, you're, is starting every week. In your mind, um, you think if J.T. Daniels is 100% healthy, the Georgia coaching staff would go with him? I think if he was 100% in rhythm, yeah. I mean, Interesting. you know, I, I, I do. Uh, I mean, like, I think if J.T. Daniels is playing the way he played against South Carolina and Vanderbilt, yeah, you're, you're probably seeing him under center. But it's also, like, if Stetson Bennett is going and doing what he did on Saturday, he's probably not coming out of the game before, you know, before Atlanta and that SEC title game, I think. That's the question is probably who starts that a month from now. But, I mean, Stephen Bennett was really good on Saturday. Yeah. He was 6 of 6 against the Blitz for 129 yards. I mean, you know, that's 20 yards an attempt. Um, so, I, I, I don't see them pulling him out. I, I think the, the, the big variable that no one's talking about, truthfully, is this offensive line because they've been pretty inconsistent lately. For sure. And – they were really good in pass protection the first half of the year, and they haven't been super great the last few weeks. And it's like I think if if those guys aren't blocking up front better on a more consistent basis, I think that, that adds a little bit of fear into the equation for the staff putting JT out there because you don't want him to get hurt again. But also he's much more a sitting duck than Bennett is. Bennett's been doing a good job getting out of pressure and making plays downfield. Graham Coffee, Dog Sports, joining us. Graham, it's funny because the way this conversation is going, it sounds like you're talking about a 5-4 and four team, uh, but we're talking about a 9-0 and undefeated team that hasn't given up more than 13 points to anyone this season. It's, it's just welcome to welcome to covering Georgia football, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. No, 100%. Well, and I mean, I, it, to Tennessee's credit, like they're a very different team than they were, you know, when they went and lost to Florida by 24 in the Swamp. That being said, you know, it, it wasn't that long ago they played Alabama, and they did hang in that game for a long time, but ultimately they, they put up 24 on an Alabama defense that has struggled at times this year, you know, and, and hasn't been super great rushing the passers. So I, I think what's going to be fascinating about Saturday with Tennessee is you go and look at the Ole Miss game, for example. Uh, Hinton Hooker ran the ball, you know, over 20 times, and we haven't seen – anyone have more than 16 carries, a running back or a quarterback, all year. And that was 
that was Tevin Harris from South Carolina. Most of those carries were in garbage time, but you saw what happened to Anthony Richardson on 12 carries. He got knocked out of the game. Right. And so it's like, I don't think you can go and run some of the stuff they've been running against this Georgia defense and hope that Hinton Hooker is going to survive that physically for four quarters. Graham, tell people where they can find your stuff. Uh, yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Dog Out West. Uh, you can find my uh, video slash podcast show on YouTube, uh, Apple, Spotify. It's called Dog Sports Live. Uh, please come check us out there. Uh, yeah. Yeah, if you're a Georgia fan, one of the best follows on Twitter, in my humble opinion. Graham, we always appreciate you taking the time, man. Enjoy the rest of your day. Absolutely. Thank you, Christian. Have a good one, man. Cam, I thought it was fascinating what he said right there. If, if all things are equal and JT Daniels is healthy, we could see JT Daniels coming back in. I just, I, I we said this before, and I, I find it interesting. Kirby Smart has, if you can have one kind of bugaboo with his tenure, it has been the management of the quarterback room, right? You have a guy who is clearly far away more talented than the other guy, but the other guy went 33-3 and in the regular season, right? Justin Fields versus Jake Fromm. So now sitting here, you have a guy who started six games, and he's won six games. He's amazingly efficient, and the team rallies behind him, and he can do a little bit more with his legs. But talking to Graham right there, he said if, if JT Daniels is healthy and in rhythm, it's probably still his team. Yeah, I'm not shocked. Um and the only reason why I'm not shocked, I, I guess they believe in Athens. It's a bigger dynamic, and JT just brings more to the team um, than what Stetson does. I do. I, I, I just I don't know if that's true right I think, now. Though. I think I think some people believe that because of the arm talent. Um, well, here's here's where I'm at with it is Georgia, and I, I'd be curious to go back and look. It never seems like they're in third and long. Right, you're never in the third and tens or the third and twelves, right? And how much of that has to do with the fact that Stetson Bennett's able to scramble away and throw the football I think that's away what you missed with versus him, yeah. versus JT Daniels is back there a couple times on Saturday in that first half. He's probably getting sacked when Stetson was able to move out of the pocket, and so that sets you up instead of being second and ten, you're second and fifteen or sixteen, right? So like, is it? I'm just thinking with this defense, if you can get Saturday Stetson Bennett. I, I, I don't think there's a team in the country right now who beats you, right? But here's the worry is you go into a game, whether it's in the SEC championship or the college football playoff, and you get Stetson Bennett that we saw in Jacksonville. I, I got to break it to some fans, me as, me as well. It's going to be a game where this defense gives up some points. I don't know if that's true. I, I think so. Like, I will define, put it like this. define some points. Because points 27. Be, Okay, 27. This team's scoring over 30 points a game. Yeah, and I will quarter. put it like this. With LSU, um, that you know that magical team they had, they were tested in a couple of games. But their defense was It wasn't that good, but that near. offense was tested. They were held when they played Auburn, 20-17. to 17. They was held, and even when they like, played Georgia what, what, to a degree in that what first What would half. be a great point total from a team against this Georgia defense? A great one to beat them? No, like what would be like if you were like, holy cow, they put up what? I'd say 24 points. I would be blown away if any of the offense, because there's not a 2020 Alabama or a 2019 uh, LSU out there, right? I still think. I think I think of like with Caleb Williams, who has been the best quarterback in college football since he came in, in my opinion. Right? I don't think they would even score if they, 20 points. If they score 24, I'd be like, that's three touchdowns. That's a good game. I don't even think Oklahoma. I think the only team, I'm saying it from a Bama perspective, I don't think it has nothing to do with the talent. It's just the overall, just having that psychological advantage over you. Uh, me personally, if they play Alabama, that's a game where I think 
you have to score thirty something points to beat them. I don't. I don't think that's true, man. I'm just. <laughs> it's I'm tough, looking, man. I mean, they just got held at home to twenty points by LSU. That's true. It's going to be and hit and miss I, with Bryce. Cam, Young. Do you, Cam, can you guess how many yards Alabama ran for against LSU? Oh, they ran over two hundred something yards against LSU. Against LSU the, on Saturday. Do you know how many yards Alabama ran for against LSU? Matter of fact, no. Brian Robinson didn't have a good day. Alabama so, ran yeah, for Alabama for ran lot. for six yards. Yeah, they didn't run for a lot. I forgot he didn't they have were, a good no, day. No, Cam. Alabama ran for six yards. Yeah, against LSU. I don't know, man. I'm uh, like I said. I'm still you're gonna nervous. roll that out there against Georgia. I'm still a little bit nervous because I mean, well, it's Alabama. You've never it's, beat them. It's, it's Alabama. You've never beaten them. Well, you beat them in 2007, but like you know, I don't even count Nick it. Nick Saban's second year, first or second year. Yeah, I I will say this though. I learned a little bit about Georgia this week. Tennessee. Fun fact: Since they've lost against Florida, have averaged forty points a game. Since yeah, they, got, they found the quarterback. So yeah, Henny Hooker, twenty-one touchdowns, two picks. We will find out how good that Georgia defense is. I Tennessee's going to score now. If you hold them, if you shut Tennessee out, who I think is, they did a pretty good offense. They were down twenty-one seventeen against Alabama in the middle of that third quarter, so they just didn't get blown out. Score doesn't indicate that. Do that. I'd be impressed until we get to the SEC championship. We'll see. Got to hold this team to a high standard, man. You got to, you got to. I'm I'm with you. I just I I don't know what the offensive output would look like that you would need to beat Georgia because you're averaging over 30 points a game and you haven't given up 13. It's 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 pretty staggering. I think, I think it's because I'm scared of the offense and what if the offense has a bad game and we don't produce what we need to because it could happen. Yeah, but you could have a bad game and put up 21 points and still win. Against <sighs> Bama, it's 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 yeah, it's this Georgia defense is silly good. Ooh. We'll find out. We got to take a quick break here. We'll come back with more. Is there anybody we haven't given enough credit to or reverse that? Is there anybody we haven't been hard enough on from this past week at college football cam? Is there someone we need to pump up more or someone we need to beat Honestly, down Honestly, I'm not going to be hard on Wake Forest. I mean, you gave Can up 18-point No, lead, we should be hard you know? on them. We should be, no, we should be hard on them. Why? Because that was atrocious. No, it was. It was really bad defense. They was up 18. You should have won that game. Well, no, but here's the even more atrocious part is you lose to North Carolina, a team that you scheduled from your conference in a non-conference game. Wake Forest is still undefeated in the ACC for all the people out there. Facts. Like that is that that is the thing we should be. I'm I'm extremely also, you hard. know, I got to hold them accountable cuz if I give you praise when you win, I gotta give you praise when that when you lose. I gotta hold you accountable. Michigan State, very disappointed. No. Um, just very disappointed. Yeah, I mean, they, like you've ever do, and Purdue is the 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 world beaters. They have two or they have six wins this year. Two of them are against top five teams, top three teams, right? Because they beat number two Iowa and number three Michigan State. It's, it's it's what Purdue does. And now we're staring at them. They're gonna mess it all up. You know who we haven't been hard enough on? Cincinnati. Oh yeah, they were. You came out here, got off, pounding your <laughs> chest. Talking about how the college football selection committee is just just ripping you guys, and it's just a Power Five invitational, and then you have College Game Day coming to your town for a matchup against a oh my god, I even realize this. You had College Game Day in in Cincinnati for a matchup against a two win team. They have officially no three win. Sorry, yeah, two win, two win in American. They were three and five. They were three and five. Two two wins in the American, right? You had. College game to be in town for a below 500 team. Talk about Tulsa's schedule. Brutal this year. Right. Think Ohio State, them, and That's fine, else. but I'm Cincinnati, and I'm pounding my chest saying I deserve a spot. And you're still undefeated. 
You hmm. are. But you beat Tulsa 28-20, to and your defense had to stand on its head twice at the goal line at the end. You did it once. You thought the game it, was over. You got lucky. No, you did it once. You <laughs> thought the game was over. Then your quarterback fumbled the ball away yeah. and gave him another chance to come back. You got lucky on that fourth and goal because the guy, he broke the plane, but he fumbled at the same time. You got lucky. Oh, goodness. But I will say, with the, uh, Cincinnati, you are now UCF. I, I think you have now diminished all hopes to make the college football playoffs regardless of well, what yeah, you do. They, they have diminished the hopes, but also SMU has not helped them out because SMU was supposed to be that key game coming up in two weeks where mm -hmm. they were undefeated, but now SMU's lost two in a row. They lost to Memphis this past Saturday, and before that they lost to Houston. And so now that's not even a marquee matchup. And so the, the rest of your schedule to impress the college football selection committee is at USF, who is atrocious. Home against SMU, who's lost two games in a row, and then at Eastern Carolina, who's bad, right? Those are your remaining games. Eastern Carolina right now, as we said, is 5-4 and four on the season. To impress the College Football Selection Committee, you have to go out there and beat all these teams by 50 to even have a it's not prayer to do that. And then I guess what, you, you'll face Houston uh, in the conference championship game? The, Cincinnati. You. I mean, Houston's not bad. Houston's 8-1. and one. They're not bad, but Cincinnati needs to recognize if you want to be a power five school, difference is you have to beat some of these teams by 30. We just we see Georgia beating SEC teams by 30, 40 points. You have to go beat, you know, teams in the American Conference by 30, 40 points. Now it's done. Cincinnati, I don't they have no chance. It doesn't matter. Yeah, you can put a two loss team they'll, they'll have ahead good, of them. They'll have a good time in the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah, most definitely. It'll 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 be fine. I, I tried to stick up for. Let them, me ask but. you this, Cam: How highly? I'm gonna say this because they were not ranked in the AP poll this week. But how highly ranked do you think Tennessee will be in the college football top twenty-five? Because they they they're gonna rank them right because they're playing Georgia next and they want to give Georgia of another course. top twenty-five. I think win. they rank them. They just beat Kentucky. Like what? Right? Like twenty-three? I give it twenty-three. And yeah, or maybe I twenty-five. They'll, they'll be the one four-loss team who gets ranked. Mm -mm, I think twenty-three. I think right right what you said. Twenty-four. Hold on, let's see. I think that's going to be a perfect spot. You get number one against twenty-three. That's another what fifth ranked win this year. Before you know, you get a couple of tune-up games against Charleston Southern. Yeah. So we got we got the according to the AP right now. Georgia's still number one, Cincinnati's number two, Alabama three, Oklahoma four. Uh, and the coaches poll, it's Georgia, Alabama, Cincinnati, Oklahoma. Uh, Tennessee was re received two votes in the coaches poll, did not receive any votes in the AP poll. And there are zero four-loss teams ranked right now, Cam. There's a bunch of three-loss teams. That's all right. T Tennessee would be ranked. They just uh, they're gonna, Kentucky, they're, Yeah, well, they're going to be like 25, right? Oh, yeah. They're, they're going to be in the top 25. Because, Tw like, literally just because Georgia's about to play. And then they play them at a 330 yeah. clip on CBS. They yep. need that ranked matchup. Yep. Number 23. CBS Tennessee is calling gets, saying, yeah. hey, guys. Yeah. We need that. Hey, it, like, know, it doesn't matter. We need the money. It doesn't matter. But if you make it a top 25 matchup, it looks cooler. You get some more eyes on it. Yeah, it I think, cool, watch, tomorrow, Tennessee... And they're going to be it, like, oh, well, they lost a bunch of games before they found their quarterback. And now that you look cool, at them, Tennessee coming out of nowhere, playing great football. Lost the pit. <laughs> hey, that was a close game, and they didn't have their quarterback yet. Oh, man. You know. But I, I, will, I will put it like this. I'm disappointed in a lot of teams from every team from college football, even Ohio State. They were terrible. Listen, you have to rank Tennessee. Yeah, they lost a pit, but they also lost – 
to Ole Miss, who's currently number 13. F- they lost yeah. them by five. And they lost to Alabama, the number two team in the country. So can you really hold that against them? And, and it was 21-17 in the middle of the third quarter. Yep. So, so. I, mean, I, I I bet you look at it tomorrow in Tennessee's range. we got to take a quick break. We'll come back with more right here on second down. Second down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Got so much more to dive into. Three and out coming up next. Catch up with... Brooks Austin from Dogs Daily on SI.com. That'll be in the first hour recapping Georgia's win over Missouri, taking a look at Tennessee. Also going to catch up with our good friend, Robbie Ross, the voice of Paulson Stadium. We'll talk to him about that Clay Helton hire. I mean, I don't know if you heard. <coughs> I'm not trying to brag, but you were sitting in here when uh, Clay Helton was doing his introductory press conference. You, you, you happen to hear what he said about your boy? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was actually a good question. It was actually, it was a, good actually a good question. Like I don't typically ask good questions. It was a good question. Thank we're, you. We're not going to give you. I'm what, not going to give you. But much what did Clay Helton say about me? He said you're a smart individual. He, he said, "I'll tell you what, you're good." Yeah, you're good. Smart individual. Put that on my tombstone. Oh Lord. When I die, <laughs> I want you to say beloved by friends and family. And Clay Helton once said, "I'll tell you what, you're good." Just put it on my tombstone. If you miss any portion of today's show, you can find it on ESPNCoastal.com or SoundCloud. We'll talk to everyone tomorrow.